Before we begin tonight's Season 3 retrospective, I wanted to mention the very sad news that Carol Serling, the wife of Rod Serling, and the mother of Anne and Jody Serling passed away on the 9th of January 2020. Of course, this was a very private tie for the family, and then Anne Serling made the announcement on the 13th of January. Now, tonight's episode was recorded before that announcement and does have quite a jovial celebratory tone to it, and I did pause for a moment and wonder about adding this sad message to the beginning of it. But then I considered the life that Carol Serling lived. Before Rod passed away, she was his companion, his collaborator, his advisor, and his critic. And she was the opinion he could trust. And after his passing, she carried the torch for the Twilight Zone and his work. Now, the sailing estate didn't have the television rights to the Twilight Zone anymore, but Carol continued it in many different ways through her work with Twilight Zone magazine, and many Twilight Zone books which credit her as the editor. And this gave other writers the honour and the thrill of having their work published under the Twilight Zone name. So the Twilight Zone wasn't just Rod's legacy, it was Carol's too. So she spent her life celebrating Rod Serling and the Twilight Zone, so I think a show with a jovial and celebratory tone is just the right thing to remember her and celebrate her life too. So rest in peace Carol Serling, and thank you. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Another year gone and another season of the Twilight Zone podcast behind us. So it's all changed for the Twilight Zone and the Twilight Zone podcast. But one thing I hope will never change is that when we get to these landmarks, I can share that with you, the listeners, and also with the one time and always host of the Twilight Zone podcast, my good friend, Luke. Luke, welcome back to the Twilight Zone podcast. Can you believe it's been three years since we last did a season retrospective? Has it really been three years? It's funny, I was trying to think how long it is that we've been talking about the Twilight Zone and when you first started this show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy that it's been three years since we last did a podcast together, well, apart from the, the, the 2019 Yes. Uh, version, but yeah, the, the do a series wrapper. What a crazy amount of time! I know, I know. <laughs> well, look, luckily for me, season eighteen, uh, sorry, season four is only eighteen episodes long, so I might actually get a season done in a year. We, we'll see, we'll see. I'm making no promises. I heard your big plans to get all of season four done in 2020, and I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, well, don't get too excited. But, uh, <laughs> so, how have you been? How are you doing? I mean, I've been good. Yeah, I've been keeping myself very busy. Uh, I've got new podcast projects myself, actually. So, um, yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a busy man. I mean, very much enjoying your your excellent work. I actually, I wanted to give you. I was going to send you an email. I loved your episode on "I Sing the Body Electric" 
uh, and the and all the Ray Bradbury stuff. I thought it was absolutely fascinating. So congratulations to you, man. What a great year you got you've had. Thank you, man. Thank you. Well, hopefully this year is going to start out well too with this episode and the one that comes after. I'm not going to mention anything yet, but if it comes off, it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a big one. But uh, yeah, we will get there. We will get there. Cool. Let us begin. Let's, you know, I don't like to stay on the negative side of things, but let us begin with our season three retrospective with what would you say is your least favorite episode of the season? We all start at the bottom and work our way up. Yeah, I think that's that's a good way to go. Um, it's, it's Season three is a funny one because when I think about it as a whole, I I always think like season one, you've got like this string of classic episodes mm. and then everyone remembers season two for the VHS episodes. Mm-hmm. Everyone remembers season four for being an hour long and then everyone remembers season five for being not so good, but I think there are a couple of really good episodes in there. Yeah. I found some really good episodes in there. But season three doesn't really have like a defining feature about it. Mm. And when I was thinking about it as a whole, I was thinking like, yeah, maybe it's because season three is a bit of a middling season. Maybe there's not too much to talk about. But actually looking back, there's so many good episodes that yeah. you just sort of forget about. They're just sort of, when you actually look at it list by like episode by episode, it's, it's great. But I think if I was to say an episode that doesn't really do much for me, I think I'd have to go with five characters in search of an exit no way really yeah i don't know like it's 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 weird because i always think back to like in 2010 when i was making the the short film series that i did the collector's room Mm. um we had a scene where two people were watching tv and obviously we didn't film the tv but i put on the twilight zone as sort of like because you know we were very much ebbing the the twilight zone and i put on that episode and i always remember the lead actor going like what the hell am I watching? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's this episode where like, oh yeah, and there's toys at the end. I remember this one now. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird episode, this. And so I think it that's the one that kind of jumps out to me looking back at the list. Mm. Um, but maybe I'm, you know, but I, I think there's probably more obvious answers like, you know, Hocus Pocus and Frisbee or... Um, uh it was the uh, cavender is coming the mm. um uh, the, the the angel one so maybe there are more sort of obvious choices but the one that immediately jumped out to me was five characters okay obviously i completely disagree but, <laughs> <laughs> but i can respect that because at the end of the day we could we could sit here and go with the obvious ones i'm going to try and go a little bit off the beaten track as well but um i don't know that's hard to do in such a there are so many classics in the season, and the, so it does make the bad ones really stand out, I think. Yeah. So I guess when I go with my least favourite, you know, it would be easy to go with Cavender is Coming. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's just another subpar Twilight Zone comedy. We've had them before. That's had, it. And we'll have them again. But... I personally am going to choose Once Upon a Time Mm. for the very reason that I think it is such a missed opportunity. Yeah. It really had a chance to say something about something. You have potentially one of the biggest silent movie stars ever. You You are at a time in film history where he is still alive and he has made that transition from the silence to the talkies. And, you know, what can you say about that? Because, you know, within all of our lives, 
you know, you you look back and you know your childhood is like an episode of the Wonder Years. You you view it through <laughs> a sepia tone. You know, there's, there's ways I think they could have really used that to really magical effect and and to really say something. But instead, I think we just get this rather flat comedy that is neither fish nor fowl. You know, it really does nothing. And I think it, it's the only time in history that it could have been made. Yeah. But it wasn't made to its best potential. So I'm going to go with Once Upon a Time. Well, I, I think that is, that, that's a really good choice. Like, mm. not, you know, it's a really good choice because it's a bad episode, but I just think you're right in your description of it that it was a complete missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, yeah, not, not going for the obvious, I think that's, that's a really, really solid choice of, because I, I think some of the other, like, if it's not one of the, like, you know, brilliant episodes that season three has to hold. I think that season three has a few middling episodes that aren't really like once you've watched them and a week later, you've completely forgotten that you've watched it. Mm-hmm. So, and I think, but there's really only like a handful, a very small handful of episodes in season three that are like, yeah, actually, do you know what? That's not very good. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, you're right. Once upon a time is one of those episodes just because it's, it's a, a bit of nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's man, what a missed opportunity that is. Yeah. I suppose you could almost you can almost argue the same thing for icing the body electric, you know, of Serling and Bradbury coming together. True, uh, and uh, not not so much a missed opportunity, but just something that just didn't gel. It's kind mm-hmm. of interesting that, that that season three has two examples of that. So working our way up slightly, then an episode that you know it might be well thought of, it might be well reviewed, but it's. It's never really spoken of in the same tone as the classics, but you think maybe is a bit underrated in season three. Uh, I'm going to go with the game of pull. Uh, I know a lot of people really like that episode, but I have heard, I think in sort of more recent times, people be a bit more down on it. But I just think Cloakman's performance is so good. Mm -hmm. I think it is an absolutely brilliant episode of the Twilight Zone, Mm -hmm. but it never seems to be that high on a lot of people's list, particularly when you get into season three. I also want to go to Bat for the Little People. I know you were not a fan of it, but I, I like I, I want to go it's to fun. Bat for the episode. It's fun. It, I think I think it's fun as well. Yeah. I, I think it's fun. In the same way that I think the dummy's a lot of fun. Mm. Like it's you know sure it's not a great episode, but I kind of enjoy it. I, you know, I, I think those are the those are the three that would, would stick out for me in that sense. What about you? Okay, underrated. Let me think. I, you see, I'm, I'm, I'm winging it on this one, Luke. You know, <laughs> not just because I'm ill prepared, but I thought, you know what? I'll just have the list in front of me and see what jumps out at me. Now, my obvious choice is the trade-ins because I, I was really mm-hmm. quite taken with it. Love that episode. But I'm going to go with. No, I'll stick with the trade-ins because, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I think it was the one that had the biggest effect on me at the time because I don't think I'd actually seen it. And it was like, oh, hello, you know, this is this is something that really kind of struck me. It does have a good sort of core message to it. I can see why in some ways that it's not held up with the greats, but there is so much good stuff in it. You know, that shot when they first walk into the darkened kind of a room where all the the dummies are that they choose their mm-hmm. bodies from um the scene with the card player that i mean that guy who played the i forget his name oh, now yeah um and he's really sort of touched by the old man and and stuff like that so i think the trade-ins is a real 
a real classic that still just doesn't get held with the um, you know the top tier Twilight Zones. I think it's a beautiful episode. I think it's a really, really well told story. You know, within that twenty two minute, twenty five minute frame. I think it's a really, really beautiful story. I think it's got some great performances in there. Uh, and I, I think it is a brilliant shorthand. If you were to explain to someone what the Twilight Zone is, yeah. it's about a young couple who in the future can go and buy themselves younger bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, that is just like a very small concept. It's like, yeah, that, that's a brilliant Twilight Zone setup. And where can we go with that? And then, and it's actually one of the brilliant things about it is that any writer could go in 50 different directions. Yeah. And I, I love the direction that, that, that we went in for that episode. An, an excellent episode. I love it. Favorite performance of season three? Any thoughts? I alluded to it earlier, but it, I, you know, I love Klugman in a game of pool. I think it's a real tour episode. It is every single thing he says, you're like, okay, he wants to be the best. Mm. He believes he, it's not just he wants to be the best, he believes he is the best and he wants to be up on that hall of fame. And it's, you know, it's a very cheesy conclusion to that episode, but I kind of love it. And I think it works so fantastically when he's against uh, Winters, mm-hmm. because Winters is playing it, just being like, yeah, no, I am the best, and you know, I am, I'm a, one of the, the greatest of all time. And I don't know if you really want what you think you want, but Klugman is desperate, yeah, desperate for it. I think, and he sells it so brilliantly. Like I loved Klugman in a Passage for Trumpet in season one, mm. and that was one of my favorite performances of, of that season. And I, I, you know, I just, I just, I loved him in this as well. Absolutely loved it. You know, you've got to give a shout out to. to young bill moomy as well and um it's a good life <laughs> in terms of like you know iconic twilight zone performances you gotta love it you know i think klugman is my favorite twilight zone actor yeah. um for for all his performances and that definitely was a definitely was a great one i'm gonna go a little bit off the beaten track um i'm gonna go with lois nettleton in the midnight sun because great shout yeah that was gonna be another option of mine you know, she she did this performance completely without any sort of vanity and so on, and she really sells the kind of worn out, washed out vibe. She has just a weariness of it, and you know, it, it it's a fabulous episode anyway. Just that ticking death clock of mm. the music um, as the sun gets and conveying that heat in a black and white show is <laughs> yeah. just you know it just shows how at the top of the game these people were but you know lois nettleton in that episode she she really sells it to me so i'm going to go with that one it might not be the most obvious choice but i think it's a worthy choice i think it's a great choice and it's as you say such a great episode of the show i like just before we came on air, I know you said that you didn't do a, a whole lot of prep for this. I didn't either. I thought I would wing this, but I thought I just, <laughs> as I was going through the list of episodes, I was just noting down and all of a sudden I was like, that's a great episode. That's a great episode. That's a great episode. But that was one that really jumped out at me. It's like, man, that's one of my favorite episodes of the Twilight Zone, actually, The Midnight Sun. I, I yeah. sometimes forget that it's part of season three. Okay. We are kind of zooming through this list, but um, let's see what's next. All right. Well, that kind of just leaves us with the big one, really. And it's such a tough question in a season like this, but what would you say your favourite is? Oof. Yeah, you're right. It is, it's difficult to pick out. I think my if you'd have asked me 10 years ago, mm. I think I would have said to serve man. I think that would have been because it is such an iconic episode. 
and it is just you, you know it's been the most parodied episode for you know good reasons because it's got that like, great iconic line of it's a cookbook but i don't know if it's held up over time like or not over time as in like you know the 60 odd years that it's not been on tv but the 10 years since i've you know been watching this show and sort of falling in love with the show all over again in the last 15 years yeah i don't know if it holds up and i think it is because when you watch it you have like that rod selling intro and then you have the guy do an intro and it's, it's <laughs> there's so much like exposition so i don't know if i would say to serve man anymore mm. i think i would go for something like little girl lost wow or okay. or it's a good life or or a game of pool but like i really really like little girl lost i think it's a really fun episode i think it's a really creative episode and a really creative idea and I sort of like it how it is so self-contained. Uh-huh. But I think I would also go to bat for uh, the shelter. Right. Of it being this sort of like, you know, I, I love this. It, it goes back to season one with uh, the monster to do on Maple Street. It's kind of sort of like a retelling of that. Let's put, you know, we, we take this real suburban, suburban town and suburban street and then drop a nuclear bomb on it and see what happens. Mm. And I, I kind of really love that aspect of it in terms of story. But if I was to pick out one episode of season three to be like, that is my favorite episode of this season, it's a good life. And it's good. Yeah. You know, it is good. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good thing that they made that episode. Yeah. <laughs> so why, I, why that one? I, I, I think it's, it's Moomy's performance. I think it is, to this day, it's so scary like in terms of the world that it sets up of this terrifying monster it is a fantastic opening narration by rod serling mm. that that big reveal of just like and this monster is 10 years old yeah. and the they show so much horror in that movie without showing any of that horror mm-hmm. it's you know the scene with the the postman and it, and it kind of like creates this awful creature outside and he's like it's, yeah, it's such a good thing that you made that yeah and it is like you you kind of feel this sort of awful tension and i almost think that them not showing the terror that he's created mm-hmm. is way scarier than when they did it in the 80s movie where they were just like oh and here is all the horror <laughs> let's just put it all out there in, the, in its zany wackiness yeah. i i just think it is an absolutely masterfully done episode and one that is you know quite rightly held up as one of the all-time greats it got its sequel episode it's been remade dozens of times i I just think it's brilliant i just think it's great but uh i'm i'm so curious you know you've gone through this journey of of season three yeah uh and you've spent the last three years doing it so i'm so curious to know what is your favorite episode of this season you know luke i'm gonna have to agree with you it um the, there's so many I love in this one so many the thing is it's like anything you know top 10 lists mm-hmm. they're fun but you try and make one and then you do it the next day and it's different it's that's just the way it goes <laughs> but you know I think we do it to generate discussion we do it to um you know be reminded of things and we do it to kind of yeah sort of say i don't agree with that and enjoy sort of disagreeing with it so i i think you know uh, there's nothing wrong with it but no matter what it's a good life always came out on top uh in this season for me and and i think there's a couple of reasons for that 
First of all, you know, the Twilight Zone could go to some dark places, but I just love it when it did something where you're like, I can't believe they did that in 1960 <laughs> or 61 yeah. or whatever. Now, you know, the other Moomy episode is the same where like a grandmother is trying to get the, the kid to kill himself <laughs> yeah. from beyond the grave. And it's just like, I can't believe they did that in 1960. Um, and this is kind of the same because it's so dark. It's such a unique story. You know, the, there's some episodes of the Twilight Zone that we get so used to the rhythm of the Twilight Zone, the way it works, that um, you can all, almost predict it. I'm trying to – something like Person or Persons Unknown, you know, mm -hmm. where the guy wakes up and his wife doesn't recognize him and so on. It, it's almost like a, a stereotypical Twilight Zone episode, you know, because it, it just hits all those beats. It, it's still decent, you know. There's nothing wrong with that, but time does those things. But It's a Good Life is just such a unique story. And at the end, you know, we all love a good sailing moral play, but at the end, he's like, there's no lesson here. This is just the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. And life goes on. This yeah. is essentially the, is the, the episode finale. It's just, yeah, yeah they're, they're stuck in this hell and will remain so forever. And that's a, that's a bleak outlook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes bad things happen in the Twilight Zone. So, <laughs> so um, also, it, it's just a great uh, example of Rod Serling. He was a great writer, but he was all, also a good, good at adapting other people's work. And it, it's one of the best examples of that, too. So I think yeah. it's always interesting to see that kind of thing. Yeah, I completely got to agree with you. And I know you and I are a bit pushed for time when we were having this conversation, but there, if, there was a question I wanted to ask you about season three mm. and to pick out an episode. And have you got like what you would describe as a palate cleanser episode? Like if you were to do a stretch, uh, like a marathon episode, a marathon run of Twilight Zone episodes, and you just wanted to put an episode in there that's just like, you know, it's not one of the best it's not one of the worst, but it's just one we need to put on because we've had this run of six great episodes. Let's have a little palate cleanser in there before we get back into the the real top tier again. Wow, that's a, that's an interesting question, man. Um, I would say, you know, Little Girl Lost for me. I know mm -hmm. I'm not, and I'm not even saying it's not a top tier episode, but it, it, it's definitely not like a top ten episode for me. I, I do really yeah. like it, you know, but. Just okay. I don't want any moralizing. I don't want to learn any lessons. I just want a yeah. bit of a wacky tale. Little mm -hmm. girl lost. That that'll do it. So yeah, yeah. Why did you have one in mind? Yeah, I think I would. If I was to go for uh, the little people, I think mm. I would go for a, a piano in the house. I don't know. It's just as an episode. It's like you know what you just said. Then it's like it's just I don't need any moral outlook or anything. I just need. 20 minutes of just like here is a very very silly story <laughs> and it has been very sillily told yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would probably get, because it's got all the twilight zone tropes of an antique shop uh, you know buying this weird item the sort of crazed man buying it mm -hmm. and it's just and it's you know comparing horses bizarre performance is quite magnificent <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so I think I'd probably go for a piano in the house of an episode. You're like, yeah, let's just put this on because we don't really need to think about this one. It's just it's, yeah. we can probably have a little bit of fun with it. Uh huh. Good, good choice, good choice. Uh, you know, I think that's one that I was not super down on, but um, 
the, the thing is, there's plenty of Twilight Zone episodes where I've I've given them maybe a, a slightly negative review, and I look back on the list now and think, you know, I wouldn't mind watching that again. <laughs> it, you know, they just they just sort yeah. of. Uh, grow in your mind a bit so you know maybe not Cavender is coming but we'll see (laughs) (laughs) but um okay now i can't really answer this because i haven't seen season four but i Mm. i take it you have yes okay so going into it without giving up too much away i suppose you know are there episodes that you're looking forward to us getting to on the show what and what are your general thoughts going in um it's this is going to be the complete opposite of season three Mm. where, you know, when you look at that list and you're like, Oh, what a great episode. I remember that one. I remember that one. I remember that one. I have seen season four probably several times over, but there are very few episodes that ever really jump out to me being like, Oh, I remember that one. It's about this, this, and this. And I think mostly because season four episodes always felt like 20 minute episodes. They've been stretched out to 40. Mm. So there's always just like, I find myself getting a bit weary watching them. He's alive will jump out um okay. just because you know you've got uh, a young dennis hopper in there um and i guess maybe well i mean because the twilight pound did such a good episode on it the bard <laughs> it's like you know it's, it's their least favorite episode of all times so i think that one will always jump out to me so i think it's those two and you know we do get the return of burgess meredith in uh, prentice devils that's always fun it's it's weird how much I'm looking forward to going into the season that I know is kind of the the least revered season. Maybe I don't know about season five, but it's just adding something to the conversation, if you like, in a way that I've never had. You know, we all know season one to three are classics, um, and we've all kind of said why they're classics. So going into this unknown it is really quite exciting for me so i'm really looking forward to it i was gonna say i'm gonna be very interested to hear you like now and then us having this conversation again in 12 months time yeah when i've quit the podcast again <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really looking forward to your take on it actually because as, as you said i think everyone has given the same review of season four it's the same review that i just gave then mm. which is their 20 minute episode stretched out over 40 so i think you going in there with this complete unknown perspective I think it's going to be a really fascinating listen. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to, to what's next for the Twilight Zone podcast because I, I think you're going to have, I think you're going to have a, a lot of fun with season four, but not always because you enjoy an episode. I just think you're <laughs> going to just, I think you're just going to have a, a great time with it. At least I hope you do anyway. <laughs> me too. Me too. Matt. <laughs> well, I think that that's a, a great place to leave it. Um, I'm sorry we had to keep it so short this time, Luke, but it's, you know, it's always a great pleasure. And we've got season two of the new Twilight Zone coming up. So uh, if you're free and want to jump on board for one of those, it'd always be good to have you back. It'll be always a pleasure to come on board. And it's always a pleasure to be back within the Twilight Zone. And, and thank you so much for, for having me on and, and, and bringing me back. It's, it's, you know, it's a real honor for me to, to, to you know, it's, it was an honor for me to take over the show for that brief period of time. And it's, it's a real honor to be able to be invited back. So thank you. Thanks, Luke. Okay, so that is our thoughts on season three. But before we get to your thoughts, I'm just going to make a quick phone call. Okay, that line seems to be busy for now, but I'm going to keep trying and make sure you come back at the other side 
to find out who's on the other end because you are not going to want to miss this. So let's hand the mic over to you, the listeners, for your thoughts on Season 3 of The Twilight Zone. Happy New Year, Tom. Al here. First of all, I want to congratulate you on finishing Season 3. That's a great achievement. And every episode got better and better. That's a greater achievement. And I can't wait for season four. I can't wait to see what you're going to do with those episodes. That's mainly what I want to talk about. I'm going to answer your questions about favorite episode and so on. But first, I just want to talk about how much I enjoyed the season three podcasts because of the effect it had on me with episodes that I never cared much for. I was always looking forward to hearing what you had to say about episodes like The Arrival, The Passersby, The Mirror, The Jungle a piano in the house, all episodes that were in my lower level. And in each case, you persuaded me, you showed me that there were things there that I hadn't seen before that were worth appreciating. And to me, that was the richness of the podcast for season three. I think there are more episodes in season three as opposed to seasons one and two that I hadn't thought much of. And you raised my opinion of those episodes. So I want to thank you for that. And it's a big reason why your podcast is essential listening for any Twilight Zone fan. One reason I'm looking forward to season four is to see if you can do the same thing with the episodes I don't much care for as you did to me in season three. But let's face it, I love season four. Part of that is because I didn't see it until the 1980s. And it was so wonderful to see new Twilight Zones at that time, new to me, but also My two favorite episodes of the entire series are in season four. Also, my least favorite episode of the entire series, possibly my two least favorite, are in season four. Plus, you know my story about watching In His Image and discovering it was the episode that I saw as a little kid that I wondered if it even existed. So that factors into my love of season four as well. Okay, my favorite episode of season three is Five Characters in Search of an Exit. This, I think, goes back to my childhood again. I first saw it when I was about 10 years old, and it completely blew my mind. And I just can't get around that. You can argue that The Shelter and Death's Head Revisited are more important episodes, that The Midnight Sun and It's a Good Life are more frightening episodes, but they don't get under my skin like Five Characters does. There's something about the whole aspect of identity, and that whole mind-blowing ending for a 10-year-old that just has stuck with me ever since. My least favorite has to be The Gift. It just does nothing for me. I can see things in Cavender is Coming, Showdown with Rance McGrew, Once Upon a Time, other episodes that people dump on. There's something in each one of those that I enjoy, but The Gift just sits there, and when it gets to its conclusion, it just doesn't work for me. My favorite performance is Jack Klugman in A Game of Pool, which is not particularly fair because my favorite performance is Jack Klugman in any Twilight Zone episode that he's in. So if you ask this again in season four and season five, it's probably going to be the same guy. Finally, my underrated episode is Hocus Pocus and Frisbee. Now, I just listened to what you did with Night of the Meek, and in that you talked about how Surly may not have been able to pull off broad comedy, but he was very good at light comedy. 
and I agree. That's what we have here. But it wouldn't work as well as it does without Andy Devine. Andy Devine is so perfect for the role of Frisbee. He makes what could be an exasperating character so charming and so lovable that you really feel for him at the end when his friends don't believe him. It's a simple story, but that's where its charm lies. The aliens don't know he can lie, and his friends don't know he can tell the truth. Yes, it's The Boy Who Cried Wolf, but have you ever seen The Boy Who Cried Wolf with false-faced aliens and a harmonica that can kill? There's really nothing quite like it. That's it for me, Tom. Thank you so much for everything you do, and I can't wait for what you'll do with Season 4. I know it's going to be great. Bye. Hey, guys. I just wanted to add my favorite episodes of Season 3, and they are Person or Persons Unknown, The Arrival, and you guys can make as much fun of me as you want, but I absolutely love The Fugitive and The Little People. I don't know why I just, I watch those episodes over and over. Runner-ups are Little Girl Lost. Really creepy. Love it. Uh, Kick the Can. Always makes me want to cry, but it's a great episode. And The Midnight Sun. I just love that ending, man. So good. Hey, Tom. This is Drewman from Los Angeles chiming in with my thoughts on Season 3. There are a lot of great episodes this season, so it's hard for me to just pick one, so I'll say two episodes that I like for different reasons. In terms of mood and atmosphere, The Midnight Sun is the best of the season. I first saw it late at night as a kid, and it stuck with me for years because of how scary it was. The idea that some celestial event totally out of anybody's control would cause the end of the world is still a terrifying thought. So even after hearing people debunk the possibility of how it happens in the episode, I think the concept still holds up. Then there's the category that I call the classroom episodes. These are ones that I think would be great to show to students for the straightforward lessons they teach. The Shelter is the best classroom episode of the season. I know that it gets flack for being a copy of Maple Street, but I think it's an improvement on Maple Street in a couple ways. Most importantly, it's a lot more grounded in reality. In Maple Street, the neighbors turn against a guy just for looking up at the stars at night versus the shelter where a guy quickly slips into racism when he thinks he's competing to survive. As far as my least favorite episodes of Season 3, they are as follows. The Gift, Cavender is Coming, and Rance McGrew. I give Cavender a pass because it wasn't really meant as a Twilight Zone episode, but as a pilot for another show. And Rance McGrew is lame, but it's forgivable as it's Serling trying to write comedy, which is apparently hard for him. The gift, however, has to be the worst because it's not only bad, but it's Serling failing to write a good morality tale with a twist ending. At this point in the show's run, he should have been able to nail an episode like that. So to see it turn out so bad, especially as a revision of a previous story he did, is just baffling to me. I think the most underappreciated episode of Season 3 is The Passersby. As you pointed out in your podcast, the way the characters slowly realize their situation is well done. The way that the episode is directed uh, gives it a really unearthly vibe that matches the story perfectly. When you compare it with other episodes where people are in a type of limbo, like The Hunt or Passage from Trumpet, 
it's the only one that really pulls off that otherworldly feel to me, whereas the other ones are shot pretty straight. It makes sense that it's so well done because it's directed by Elliot Silverstein, who's the same director who did Obsolete Man and The Trade Ends. Uh, he also shot Spur of the Moment, which I haven't seen yet, so I'm looking forward to that when it shows up in Season 5. As for what I'm looking forward to in Season 4, I haven't seen any of the episodes yet, so I'm excited to see them for the first time. I'm also excited to see the differences in storytelling that the hour-long format brings. There have been a lot of episodes so far in the series where I thought the idea was great, but I felt like they were too rushed to enjoy. For example, I'd love to see an hour-long version of The Lonely, or The Four of Us Are Dying, or The Purple Testament. And lastly, I'm looking forward to watching along with the release of the podcast. I finally got the chance to catch up while on Christmas vacation, so I'll be able to join in the conversations in FlickChat and Patreon and submit more feedback like this. Thanks for the podcast, Tom, and talk to you soon. Hey there, Tom. Harold Clark reporting in from Butte, Texas, talking about the Season 3 recap. Uh, first off, I want to start off with the uh, the award for Best Twilight Zone Podcast of Season 3 goes to I Sing the Body Electric. Uh, Tom, that episode was magnificent. Uh, the level of detail that you, you researched and did the interviews and, and, and all of this stuff that you brought up that I just never even knew about uh, the behind the scenes of the episode and the I guess the the strife between you know Bradbury and 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 Serling was was amazing. I mean, it really opened up my eyes. I mean, this it was just fantastic uh, job that you did on that. Um, as far as season three as a whole, you know, I think it could be could be argued that season three is is the best season of the five. Uh, I mean, you have some you know absolute classics like the shelter. It's a Good Life, Midnight Sun, Five Characters in Search of an Exit, Nothing in the Dark, Kick the Can, A Little Girl Lost, and of course, probably the most iconic episode, uh, To Serve Man. Um, you know, for me, you know, real hard to, you know, pick a favorite. I mean, To Serve Man has gotten to a level where, it, you know, it's almost cliche to say that, you know, that might be the best episode. It, it, it's almost in its own stratosphere, like, you know, the Mount Rushmore of Twilight Zone episodes, you know, to serve man is on there. So, you know, what other, you know, episode you know, do you want to highlight? Um, uh, I think for me, um, again, all of these that I mentioned, I mean, five characters. I mean, I remember that as a kid, you know, sticking with me. Uh, but as I got older, uh, I really learned to appreciate uh, the shelter and actually how how I actually prefer the shelter over uh, the monsters are due on Maple Street. Um, I think the monsters are due on Maple Street would have been a good uh, hour-long episode. We we've talked about this. You know, mentioned it that maybe the escalation is a little fast. Um, I think in the shelter, it's just done a lot better because you know the threat was always there. It was not a surprise that this could happen, and when it does, you know the instincts kick in. So it's a little bit more believable. And, um, and, you know, just, just the, the conflict that he set up, uh, including having, not having enough air 
was the big thing for me. You know, um, you could bring in food, water, all this stuff, but, you know, to not have enough air for everybody, that's really, you know, the, the censure. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe the shelter. Uh, but, man, there's just so many, so many good ones in season three. Um, uh, a, a, a little known favorite of mine, though, it's kind of like putting on a comfortable pair of shoes. I don't know what it is, but, man, The Hunt is just one of my, just one of my favorites. I I just like the way, you know, you got old Hyder Simpson and, and how he talks to his old woman. And they're only on screen together for just the first, I don't know, five minutes of the episode. But, boy, you can really see how strong their relationship is. And, you know, just the way he he portrayed the role and the way he talked and all that stuff. I don't know. It's just The Hunt, you know, lesser known episode. Uh, I mean, it gets, it does get played in the marathons and stuff like that. But, you know, not, not in a lot of top ten lists for Twilight Zone. But for me, like I said, I, I enjoy it. Um, as far as best performance, one that I would like to highlight uh, is, uh, again, another top, I mean, man, another good episode in season three is A Game of Pool. And I want to specifically highlight Jonathan Winter's performance. Uh, Jack Klugman is great. In fact, I think this is his best best performance, actually, even better than in Praise of Pip and his other, other performances. Uh, but Jonathan Winter's for being... You know, kind of just starting out, if I remember, um, and and being known for his comedic roles um, and playing that role. I mean, I remember, again, when I was a kid, I was like, man, I, I believed I believed he was the best pool player ever. And just just the way the way he just his body language and face and just everything uh, just just all came together. And and for him to be able to say the line. Uh, I may not look the part, Jesse, but I've made love, walked uphill, swam in the ocean. To say something like that, that's really, when you take it out of context, is a pretty corny line. But the way he delivers it, you don't question it at all. So, um, so yeah, so Jonathan Winters, uh, again, a lot, of, a lot of great performances. But for a one-time performance, I mean, I think he just knocked it out of the park. Uh, lastly, uh, for season... Uh, four, I know you said that you haven't seen a lot of them, uh, but the one that I'm looking forward to you talking about is uh, uh, the new exhibit. And uh, the uh, the tagline for the episode is, A wax museum employee moves the figures of several notorious murderers into the basement of his home. And, well, you know, surely that surely that doesn't turn out too well, right? But that that episode... Of all the Twilight Zone episodes, when people talk about, oh, the Twilight Zone creeped me out as a kid, this is the episode that creeped me out. So I'm interested to, to hear your thoughts on that. So again, uh, again, thank you for all your work, Tom. And uh, again, we just appreciate uh, your dedication uh, to, uh, to spreading the love of Twilight Zone. So again, we're looking forward to season four. So I'll talk at you later. Okay, bye. Hello, Tom. This is Mark Ward from Warrington, PA. This is in response to your feedback shows. Um, this is a little awkward for me because I'm doing this for the first time on MP3 recording, so I hope I do okay. Um, my favorite episode from season three is Midnight, The Midnight Sun. 
I like the uh, story behind it. I like the uh, acting and the twist ending. I especially like the music score to that, ep- to that episode. I thought it was the best music score of season three. Uh, what is my least favorite episode of season three? Is Young Man's Fancy. I don't know what it was about the episode, but I just felt uh, it, it had little to be desired. And uh, that's the best way that I can describe it. It just it just didn't rank up there with any of the other episodes of season three. Uh, what episode do I think is underappreciated or under underrated uh, of season three? That's um, the trade-ins. I thought the uh, acting in that was good, and the the story was good, and just all around was good good around good episode. Um, I, th- I would rank that in my top uh, top rated Twilight Zone tier of episodes. Uh, what is my uh, favorite acting performance of season three? Probably Gladys Cooper's performance in Nothing in the Dark. I just thought she was a natural for that episode, and she did a superb job. Um, what episode do I look for, or do I look forward to seeing? Covered in season four, in his image, and Jess Bell comes to mind. Any of the any episodes really of season four, but those two episodes in particular come to mind. So that's pretty much it. That wraps up what I had to say about the uh, feedback shows. I hope that uh, you found that interesting, Tom. Look forward to hearing myself if you decide to choose to use my mp3 clip on your podcast thank you hi tom madeline ivy horn here from winter haven florida i never thought i'd be leaving audio feedback on the twilight zone podcast because to be honest with you i'm one of those people that dislikes hearing the sound of her own voice but my love for the twilight zone outweighs my vanity so i'll mention a few brief things about some of the three season three episodes i've got a list of them right in front of me the first one that's pretty important to me is uh, It's a Good Life. I had an old boyfriend who used to quote Anthony Fremont's parents to me whenever I was in a temperamental mood. Uh, he would say things like, oh, it's real good that you've done that, Ivy. It's real good. Isn't that good? And he, it was so funny to me that like I would instantly forget being mad. That only lasted for so long. The next one that's pretty important is The Jungle. That was the first episode of The Twilight Zone that I ever remember seeing. Um, it was also the first episode of an anthology television show that I ever remember seeing besides Fantasy Island. I thought it was kind of nonsensical and bizarre when I first saw it. The part about the human finger was hilarious to me. But now, in retrospect, I realize that it has potential if it had a change of perspective or an addition of viewpoint from maybe an African uh, science fiction writer, something like that. It would be a fantastic thing to explore in the new Twilight Zone series. I love to serve man. I always will. It's the one I always bring up to fans of the Twilight Zone who maybe just kind of watch those big popular episodes. I love the way Richard Keel looks. I adore Joseph Ruskin's voice work in it. It's fantastic. I try to quote the episode as often as I can, but you can only yell it's a cookbook so often. There are episodes kind of like The Hunt, uh, A Piano in the House, and let's say Four O'Clock. Uh, the trade ends, those ones I didn't give as much heed to until I listened to the podcast, and I noticed a lot of things that I appreciated about them. The one that 
I changed my viewpoint on the most would have been the changing of the guard. That was one that I always got about five minutes into, and then I kind of would think about the catcher in the rye. I'd turn it off. But this past this past uh, week or so, two weeks, I've watched it, and it hits me on a much more personal level because I've worked with children, and I always want to think that something I said to them impacted them positively, if only for a moment. I think that's kind of what we all want with the people that we interact with. And you never... you. You don't get to know those things. You don't get to know if what you said or did really meant something. And in a perfect Twilight Zone world, maybe we'd get the chance to know. I'm really excited about season four because I've only seen one season four episode. I've saved them for a long time because I didn't want to run out of original Twilight Zone episodes. But I feel like now is probably the time to do it. I want to thank you for everything you've done for the Twilight Zone. And I'll see you in the fifth dimension. Hey Tom, it's Andrew Schneider here in Houston. For my favorite episode of season three, I have a three-way tie. Uh, The Shelter, which I consider a classic Serling dissection of crowd psychology and how crisis can bring out the worst in people. Uh, Also, A Game of Pool, which I consider a, a brilliant example of dialogue by two amazing actors in peak form, encapsulating a study of the personal costs of ambition. And Death's Head Revisited, which is perhaps the most satisfying example of the season and possibly of the entire series of The Twilight Zone dispensing cosmic justice. My least favorite episode was The Gift. Uh, Everything about this episode felt to me as if it belonged in the fifth season. Weak characterization, poor plotting, and doused in heavy religious overtones. Favorite performance of the season, again a tie, this one between Jack Klugman and Jonathan Winters for a game of pool. Klugman is Twilight Zone royalty and Winters matches him beat for beat. Most underrated episode, I would have to say, uh, is The Changing of the Guard. Uh, I came to this episode much later than any other that I would consider to be a top tier It tends not to get spoken of in the same breath as, for example, The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street or The Midnight Sun, but as you made clear in your review, it really deserves to be, and it's one of the few top-tier episodes to end on a hopeful note. And finally, for the episode that I'm looking forward to covering the most in Season 4, I would say that would be On Thursday We Leave for Home. Uh, That's mainly because it stars James Whitmore. He's a brilliant character actor and star of one of my favorite war movies, 1949's Battleground, uh, as well as, of course, the sci-fi classic Them. I think it's a shame that The Twilight Zone didn't make greater use of him. All the best, and uh, look forward to your covering Season 4. Hey, Tom. uh, Andy Valentine here. Uh, Thanks so much for the opportunity to talk a little bit about Season three, I won't, um, I won't dwell on the things that I think um, we've talked about a lot. Obviously, the trade-ins is probably the most underrated episode of the entire run of the show, and I know that I've made my love for Hocus Pocus and Frisbee well-known, uh, but what I, what I do want to talk about is that a lot of people mischaracterize Twilight Zone as a horror anthology. It's not one. It's definitely not one, but it, were, it was these horror elements, I think, that I really fell in love with as a kid. Uh, there are certainly parts of season three that give me chills. Young Man's Fancy, as bad of an episode as it is, when Alex appears to Virginia as like a 10-year-old boy, I find that horrifying. And obviously there are horror elements to, to serve man, 
Uh, I thought as a child that little girl lost again was, was a terrifying episode. And even though my favorite episode, Stop at Willoughby, is a season one joint, really it's the season three ones that I that I fell in love with first. Um, episodes like Five Characters, It's a Good Life, The Hunt, Little People, obviously Hocus Pocus and Frisbee. It was really those ones that I fell in love with first. Uh, and for that reason, I'm always going to be grateful to season three for for being, frankly, uh, and that's it, Tom. I just I just wanted to say that that this this was the season that I really fell in love with first, uh, even though I found kind of my my permanent episodes uh, in other seasons. Thank you for everything that you do. I can't wait to see everybody in Binghamton later this year. Hi, Tom. This is Caitlin Swiderski. I'm here to give a few words about season three. First, I'd like to say I think the third season is a great one. It has a lot of heavy hitters and also some underrated ones. My favorite has to be Little Girl Lost, even though it annoys my best friend that they dubbed Tina's voice. It's my favorite because it's the one I most remember as a kid, even though it scared me that I might fall into the wall as I slept. Another reason I like this is because it's set inside of their home, and I'm so fascinated by 1960s interior decor. The real Twilight Zone reason I like this episode is because it really describes what a dimension beyond the one we live in might be like. My favorite line that describes that is when Bill is urging Chris not to go in because it may not be laid out like our world. We know about the flat second dimension, we're aware of our third dimension, but beyond that we're not sure. Another episode I just started to like is two. I love the dynamic between the two enemies, being the only ones left after a war. It makes you think that after all of that fighting, you and one other person from the opposing side are left, what was it all for? Charles Bronson said it beautifully when he said that the only reason he could see for fighting was that his uniform was a different color than hers. The world seems to be demolished, so why go on fighting? An episode that I cannot stand no matter how many chances I give it is Once Upon a Time. I'm sorry, it's just boring. I'm easily annoyed at their voices and the fact that I have to read the screen in some scenes. Also, the music is not Twilight Zone-y at all. The only praise that I'll give it is that it could have been a good episode because I think it fits the Twilight Zone criteria. It has some time travel and an urge for one of the characters to go back to a simpler time. However, it still annoys me. Other listeners of this podcast have said, and I totally agree, that by listening to this podcast, I've been shown other ways to interpret these episodes. Most of us have been introduced to this show as a kid and taken it all at face value. For example, Five Characters in Search of an Exit. It was always a favorite of mine, but I have never thought deeper about it. The lines, who are we, where are we, are so much more than they initially sound. As a kid, I'm like, okay, there are random people stuck in a barrel, but realizing now that it can refer to humanity as a whole is such a more mature philosophical way to think about this episode. I can't wait to hear your episodes on season four, especially on Miniature and the new exhibit, which are two of my favorites in that almost forgotten season. Thanks, Tom. Keep up the great work. Hello, Tom and friends of the Twilight Zone podcast. This is Philip from Buffalo, New York in the USA. Thank you for this opportunity to share my thoughts on season three and to look ahead to season four. 
It was challenging to select my favorite episode of season three because there are so many beloved ones in the lineup. But my choice is The Midnight Sun. For me, this episode has it all. A Serling script with great suspense, a Van Cleve score, special effects that enhance the story, solid performance by the cast, and of course, a surprise finale. My choice for least favorite was an easy decision. Once Upon a Time is my season three and series least favorite episode. With all due respect to Buster Keaton, this episode is dreadful. It's just silly, and I'll bet viewers thought it was corny when it originally aired. I can't imagine viewers holding their sides in laughter, even in 1961. The music is irritating and the scenes are stagnant. There is a sweetness and charm to the often maligned Mr. Beavis, but Once Upon a Time is insufferable. The best performances of season three go to the cast of One More Paul Bearer and Five Characters in Search of an Exit, and Donald Pleasant in The Changing of the Guard. These episodes are grounded in heavy, surliness dialogue and phrasing, so it's the strong performances that carry the day to make these episodes memorable ones. For my money, The Jungle is the underrated episode of season three. It's haunting to hear those creepy jungle sounds and tribal music as Alan Richards navigates his way along the dark and deserted streets of New York City. I always enjoyed the suspense of the story. And who doesn't love this final scene when Alan reaches the apparent safety and tranquility of his apartment, and then the lion lunges from the bedroom? I'm looking forward to season four because it has many unforgettable episodes, as well as a few clunkers. The hour-long format and limited syndication of these episodes will also add interest to the discussion. I'm looking forward to The Parallel. In the early 1960s, space travel captivated the world. Serling's script captured the mystery of space travel and the associated uncertainties of what might happen when the astronauts return to Earth. The subtle changes observed in astronaut Robert Gaines after he returns from orbiting the Earth and the gradual revelation that something is not quite right is one of the reasons I enjoy this episode. Tom, thank you for the podcast, and I wish all the listeners a very happy new year. Hi, Tom. It's Emmy. I wanted to cover some of the episodes in season three that I felt were underrated. So I've picked a few. Now, I totally understand that in a season where you've got, you know, your Death's Head Revisited, your Midnight Suns, it's a good life, you're always going to get some episodes that fall through the cracks. And it's a shame, because actually I would say the majority of season three was pretty exceptional, not just for the Twilight Zone, but television in general. There is very little on television from that era, from this era, that comes close to even some of the lesser rated episodes. So my first one is Little Girl Lost. Personally, I always really enjoyed the slightly creepier episodes of The Twilight Zone where the mystery kind of was all the way from the start of the episode all the way to the end. And I think this definitely covered it. I watched it first as quite a young person, quite a young child myself. And I kind of just saw the bare bones of the story. Didn't really have an awful lot of meaning other than the fact it kind of freaked me out. But watching it as a parent has made it take on a whole new meaning of 
terror really I suppose because I guess that as a parent your first greatest fear is always going to be something happening to your children your children running off not being able to find them so putting yourself in the position of these parents who are in your child's bedroom you can hear her you don't know where she is she can't tell you where she is just really frightening and I think it was a very very well done episode kind of maybe got lost a little bit within the season and some of the other stellar episodes that surrounded it definitely had its flaws don't get me wrong I think the whole aspect of the the friend a being a scientist b coming at the beck and call of the father at the middle of the night and then c suddenly declaring that she had fallen through the wall into another dimension was a little bit far-fetched but I guess this is the twilight zone and we just have to kind of accept these things don't we my second choice would be young man's fancy I didn't watch this one at all until fairly recently when it was being covered in the podcast itself and it just was a little bit horrifying on many levels. Um, you know, this whole aspect of the mother being dead, his this new poor wife constantly being haunted by the shadow of this guy's mother. I felt very sorry for her, frankly. It's obviously a story about growing out of your childhood home, unclenching the grasp of your parents and becoming your own person, which, sadly, he doesn't manage and falls victim even to his mother's ghost, who has managed to capture him and keep him in the house. So it's just pretty tragic all round, I'd say. The last episode I'd consider to be very underrated is also my favourite, and it's The Hunt. Now, I went into this fairly recently again for the first time. It wasn't one of the episodes that hit my radar when I was watching the highlights of season three, which is a shame. I feel like other people may, you know, do that too. If they're only going to pick and choose some episodes from season three, this may not be one of them. And as I watched it, the first 10 minutes or so, I wasn't actually terribly impressed. It kind of felt flat, like it wasn't really going anywhere. But, you know, I trusted in the Twilight Zone, I persevered, and actually it just became a lovely episode. Very sentimental, but true Twilight Zone at its core, um, with the mystery wrapped all the way around, a twist at the end, and just some superb acting by the um, main characters, by Arthur Honeycutt and Jeanette Nolan, who portrayed an old married couple really well with genuine love you know the kind of love that you only have from being together with somebody for decades and I genuinely I hold my hands up I didn't see the twist at the end until it happened um and I was so pleased with it because it just would have been such a shame for such good acting to have been wasted on a bad episode so I'm really glad that it wasn't I also just quickly wanted to add what I'm looking forward to in season four. Now, I haven't watched season four yet. I've seen one or two episodes, again, the highlight, but I've bought the DVD set and I'm going to watch along as the podcast runs along each episode so that I can get commentary and feedback uh, live as I watch them for the first time. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Anyway, that's everything from me. Thank you very much, Tom, for letting us have a voice here and I will speak back soon.
Hey Tom, this is Jack from Texas. Thought I'd send some thoughts along for the ending of uh, season three and then moving toward uh, season four. You know, thinking about my favorite episode from season three, it's tough because there's so many good ones uh, in season three. But uh, the one that I really do have a personal affinity for is probably uh, The Midnight Sun. And I remember watching that as a kid. It was a summer vacation. It's on my couch, sweltering with no air conditioning, and um, I was right there with those guys on screen, and I could feel the heat coming off the television set almost. And then, of course, uh, the ending comes along, uh, the the twist ending, and then the double twist, and it's probably just uh, too much for my uh, my ten year old mind to handle, but. Uh, a real sense of nostalgia attached to that one, and I really, really love it. You know, years later, I found a short story written by Rod Serling, the same title, same story, just a little bit more detail. It makes a really, really nice uh, companion piece, and uh, it just shows what a great writer Rod Serling was in a whole bunch of different facets, and it's too bad that we lost him so soon because, man, how many more short stories could he have written, you know, at age 50 or, or so when he died? Uh, you know, a lot of writers are just coming into their own, so... There was a lot of stories left for him to write, and uh, he just didn't get to it. And um, thinking about season four, you know, back in the 90s, I I bought those DVD collections every season when they came out, and they were expensive. They <laughs> they were, I think they were $80, which would be about $120 today. And uh, I think it was money well spent, because uh, I've, I've pulled out those discs many, many times since then, except for... Season 4, those discs have been sitting in their cases for a long time, 20 years or so. And uh, it was something I watched, and I didn't have any real problems with them. But uh, there was nothing really in Season 4 that ever struck me. There was certainly no sense of nostalgia attached to any of those episodes. Um, So now, getting ready for, uh, you know, the Twilight Zone podcast to unpack those episodes for me. I've been, uh, I finally pulled out those discs and I've been rewatching them. I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. I mean, uh, having not seen these episodes in a long time, I'm seeing them with really, really fresh eyes and uh, a much more open mind. And I'm enjoying them a lot more than I thought I was going to. In fact, uh, there's one episode starring Dennis Hopper that, uh, uh, he produces a really, really good performance, really subtle at times. And then uh, there's another episode titled uh, Mute that I really enjoyed uh, that had a very, very young Anne Gillian uh, starring in one of her first uh, roles, just as a little kid. And um, I always sort of had a crush on Anne Gillian ever since, uh, 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 what was it, the, the Michael Keaton show, uh, Mr. Mom, back in the early 80s, and she was in that, and I just fell in love with her, so it's interesting to see her just as a little kid starting out. Um, I've seen that episode in my life probably six or seven times. I never took the time to uh, read the credits, so finding out it's Ann Gillian, bonus. <laughs> Anyways, those are just some thoughts. I uh, thought I'd try to sneak these under the wire. Hope the uh, audio quality is okay, and uh, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing uh, the Twilight Zone podcast unpack all these episodes for us. And you know, if it takes a year or two years or three years, whatever, we're going to be with you. We like the scenic route. You know, I mean, if I die, I'm not going to be with you, but I'll be there in spirit, and then that's the main thing. Anyways, Tom, we appreciate all you do. Thanks a lot.
Hi, Tom. This is Sasha uh, from the great Pacific Northwest calling. Uh, I have a few thoughts on season three that I wanted to share with you. Just in general, I think this is one of the best seasons overall. I think it has some of the strongest episodes and definitely a, a few of the most iconic images and stories. Uh, there's a lot here that is truly what I feel is emblematic of what Twilight Zone is. You have mind-blowing twists, uh, ironic fates, karmic justice. Season 3 is just chock full of all that good stuff. Really quickly, my personal top five from the season would be The Dummy, It's a Good Life, A Piano in the House, Five Characters in Search of an Exit, and what maybe one of my absolute favorite episodes of all time, which is A Game of Pool. I just want to talk about A Game of Pool really quick. A Game of Pool is such a remarkable piece of storytelling. Within the first five minutes, you know exactly who the characters of Jesse Cardiff and Fats Brown are, uh, what the personal stakes are, and how the supernatural stage is going to be set. And it's just a grudge match with a ghost. It's life or death. It's so beautifully simplistic. Um, but the dialogue is just so artfully written. It's some of the best writing in the whole series, in my opinion. And I think the half-hour format works so well with stories like these. These intimate character pieces that don't try to get too fancy. Um, I think the dual performances of Jack Klugman and Jonathan Winters are just brilliant. Every time I watch this episode, I can't take my eyes off the screen. Jack Klugman bristles with that everyman, down-to-earth quality. He's so hungry and focused and willing to do anything for his dream. I mean, you can't help but root for him. <laughs> and then there's Jonathan Winters, who is possibly the coolest person to ever walk the earth in this episode. <laughs> his eyes squint in this smug way, and he's got that really cool voice. And he has this look like a real gangster you just don't want to tangle with. I think the pacing of the game itself is great. Uh, the intensity is there with the music and the reactions and the sweat um, building on their foreheads as they're monologuing back and forth. And it all leads up to this moment, win or lose, and Fats Brown tries to warn Jesse and gives him a chance to turn back. And I think that's an interesting idea that within the Twilight Zone, you can still have free will, but maybe only if you have a certain amount of grace or humility. Um, but Jesse obviously chooses to win. He chooses his own ego. And so we're left with this haunting image of him slumped over billiards table in this mysterious like foggy realm with those ominous black billiard balls on the table in this like mystic waiting room where the greatest of the great are relegated to this dull fate of a just upholding their mantle for eternity it's just so bleak um i love it and this episode actually answers this question about what's the price of being at the top. 
and by definition, there's no one there with you, and the price is just this complete isolation. Just think this episode is surreal, it's moody, it's extremely character-driven, it's twisted, just a little bit sadistic. (laughs) It's everything I want from a Twilight Zone story. So that's my vote for best performance of the season, both Jack Klugman and Jonathan Winters, as well as my personal favorite episode. I also just want to throw out a mention of what I think is one of the scariest episodes (laughs) um, of the whole series, and that is The Dummy. I am one of those people who happens to be terrified of dolls, so all those little moments when the dummy seems to come alive, uh, when Cliff Robertson turns around and the dummy is sitting up and winks at him, it just makes my skin crawl. No matter how many times I watch this episode, it still freaks me out. And that last image of Cliff Robertson as the dummy, and the dummy has come to life as the man, It's just so bizarre, um, uncanny valley territory that if you're not creeped out by those faces, you might not be human. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening to my thoughts on season three, Tom. I love the podcast as always, and I cannot wait to dive into season four, especially my two favorites coming up in that season, uh, the new exhibit and miniature. I'm really looking forward to it. All right, Tom. We are here again. Season three's ending. I love. Uh, I love. I love doing um, the season two recap with you last year. That was really fun. So uh, I was hyped when uh, when you talked about uh, doing season three in the in the new episode format. So I'll get right to it because you know me. I'll I'll eat up like triple the amount of time that you allot to people uh, if I don't get into it quickly. So best episode. Um, or a well, favorite episode, I should say. I just want to point out, in, in saying the favorite episode, in a row, this season has so many good good ones. I mean, it starts out super strong, and then it kind of whimpers out toward the end, more or less. But, you know, you've got Game of Pool, The Mirror, The Grave, It's a Good Light, Death's Head, Revisited, and Midnight Sun, all back-to-back. That might be the longest streak of episodes that I deem, like, top tier in a row, for all five seasons and even if you the passerby is pretty good but the one before that is the shelter which we'll talk about in a second so that's almost extending that streak it's this is actually a really great season especially in that like early portion of the season there so just to point that out um i would say that it's hard to say a favorite episode because of that uh, I would say the shelter jumps out to me right away because it's so well written and so powerful and one of my favorite episodes. Um, Game of Pool, obviously another example of like incredible writing, incredible acting, um, just a bottle episode that you can watch over and over again. And uh, you know, on the more fun side, on the more popular side of the series, it's a good life probably is my choice. Uh, as well, uh, you know, it's just 
such a great example of dark humor and sort of advanced plot lines for for such an early point in television really really good stuff obviously i could go with so many other episodes but uh, you know there's only so much time so i'll leave it there uh least favorite episode there are also a lot of dogs in this season when you really look at the list but i have to call out little girl lost because i don't like this episode it's a popular episode it's been lampooned uh most famously on the simpsons which was far better than the episode ever was i i think there are a lot of episodes where i hear people get hung up on certain things that don't work scientifically or um you know people don't act real in certain parts and i usually go back to the idea that most of these stories are, are fables or, or analogies or things like that and that kind of helps me forgive a lot of those things i can't do that with this episode the the point where the girl gets lost in the wall in the other dimension and he immediately has a scientist friend <laughs> that he can call that will understand what's going on with the wall is just too outrageous it just not every scientist knows about the fourth dimension or even about physics or about any of that stuff so it's just so ridiculous the acting is not great in this episode it's just not a good episode um there are other episodes that are probably worse than it from this season but there's no reason to call them out when you can call out this episode um underappreciated one of my favorite episodes of the entire series is the hunt I, I think it's brilliant and it's probably the most touching episode of all five seasons in a lot of ways it should actually be my favorite episode of the season and it probably is man it would be hard to choose between some of these but i've said i probably said this on this show before when i've called uh not called but yeah recorded in you know the hunt is so beautiful i've actually asked for god forbid it happens anytime soon for the hunt to basically be played at my funeral like i want people to see this because it's so incredible in the way that it deals with life and death and the afterlife and love and lifetime love it's just it's an awesome episode i'm not gonna go into uh favorite acting if i've mentioned the episode um and i'll throw the mirror in there too um you know those are some of the best acting moments for me everything that i've mentioned i'm gonna skip that in order to get more time and to talk a little bit about season four i'm really looking forward to you covering season four because you're tom elliott the twilight zone podcast guy and i guarantee you that there are probably episodes of season four that you may have never seen. And I think for us to hear you watch episodes that you've never seen is going to be really cool. I know for a long time, depending on who had this indication, at what time here in the States, those packages just didn't include season four episodes. There's a lot of like DVD collections from the early days that they just never pressed season four for some reason. Uh, I guess it was contractual and, and whatever, but nowadays uh out here sci-fi will play the hour ones i think they're just hungry to fill time in the middle of the night so when they see a 60 minute runtime with commercials they're just excited to put that on the air so they don't have to think so there's a lot more opportunity to see these than there used to be i've seen all of them i think they're extremely underrated i actually enjoy the season four hour-long episodes a lot more than maybe most people um to to call off a few uh i would say he's alive new exhibit of course uh, of late I think of Cliffordville those are pretty much the the easy layup classics I think from the season 
No Time Like the Past has some incredible dialogue. It it has some some lulls in it. it. It's definitely a good example of one that should have been 30 minutes. But it's a great episode. And I will always stand up for The Incredible World of Horace Ford. I know that is one of the more critiqued episodes of all five seasons. But I think it's a good episode. I don't really understand why people don't like it. I don't see anything really wrong with it. The longer run time hurts it a little bit. But I mean, I'm pretty forgiving with most of these. Um, I even like Mute. You know, but the ones I'm getting into now, like Printer's Devil, some of those, like, they could just be shorter, but that doesn't make them not good. You know, the ones that I remember not liking, definitely The Bard, I remember just being being really hard to get through. But I actually need to watch a lot of these again myself. And uh, I'll try to, you know, maybe watch them in sync with you, because a lot of these I either need to watch again or I need a refresher. Um, I've seen He's Alive a bunch. They show that one on TV a lot here. Um, it's, it's a little relevant if, in case you haven't heard. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's all I got to say. I tried to kind of bang through that and not be typical rude NASA, um, that just takes up everyone's time. So that's Uncommon NASA signing off. And thanks again, Tom. Good luck with season four and five. I put the call out for feedback. And you answered, thank you everybody for making this season three retrospective a success. Thank you for joining in. Now I'm going to try that phone number again and let's hope this time we get an answer. Hi, this is Tom Elliott from the Twilight Zone podcast calling for Earl Holliman. Tom, I look forward to talking to you. I really do. Next time on the Twilight Zone podcast, Earl Holliman, the first person to enter the Twilight Zone. You are not going to want to miss this. So join me next time when I speak to the legend himself. Bye for now.